0: it's been said that when you sing in worship you pray twice the 1979 book of common prayer includes more suggestions about and opportunities for music than any preceding prayer book in our next episode of the church next podcast learn how the prayer book invites us to grow in faith by praying twice hello everyone and welcome to the church next podcast my name is elizabeth brignac and i'm your host as we learn from gifted presenters on a variety of topics designed to help us grow in our spiritual lives. You're listening to episode number 30, Singing the Prayer Book with Milner Seifert. Milner is a lecturer in liturgy and music at Bexley Seabury Theological Seminary, where he teaches courses in liturgical music and serves as worship coordinator. Our podcasts are curated from our online learning library at churchnext.tv, so you can learn more about us there if you'd like to support us. Consider a $9 monthly subscription that will give you access to all of our individual online classes. Your generosity helps us produce digital experiences that help shape disciples. One of the best ways we praise God is in song. And our Book of Common Prayer encourages us to lift our voices in singing at meaningful times and for powerful reasons. Today we will explore how music is interwoven into the liturgies of the prayer book, and we'll become more familiar with all of the musical resources at our disposal, from the psalms and canticles of the prayer book itself to the 1982 hymnal, to supplemental hymnals such as Lift Every Voice and Sing. In today's podcast, Milner Seifert gives us a greater appreciation for the integral part that music plays in Episcopal worship. Our current prayer book mentions music more than any of its predecessors, in fact, and with this use of music necessarily also come periods of silence. In his first talk, Milner gives us an overview of how the rubrics of the prayer book form our understanding and use of song in worship.
1: Music is an integral part of the rites contained in the Book of Common Prayer. Our current prayer book specifically mentions music more often than any of its predecessors. At the beginning of the prayer book, in the section entitled, Concerning the Service of the Church, four of the eleven rubrics concern music. The most significant of these might be where rubrics indicate that a part of the service is to be said, it must be understood to include or sung, and vice versa. This shows that the drafters understood that in some contexts music may be employed more, while in others it may be employed less. When we look at rubrics or directions given in the prayer book, it is good to keep two things in mind. One is that some rubrics prescribe or direct things to be done, while others give permission to include or to omit something. An example of a rubric that prescribes is, a period of silence is kept. An example of a permissive rubric is, here may be sung a hymn or anthem. A second issue to remember is that the order of options given in the prayer book usually expresses an order of preference. In this case, when a rubric reads, sung or said, this shows a preference for singing over saying, while of course permitting either. In celebrations of the Eucharist, the prayer book directs a song of praise to be sung or said before the collect of the day. This song of praise may be the Glorian in Excelsis, glory to God, the Kyrie Eleison, Lord have mercy, the Trisagion, holy God, holy and mighty, or some other song of praise. At celebrations where music is employed, singing this song of praise would be a primary consideration. The Sanctus, holy, 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 is included in every Eucharistic prayer in our prayer book. Eucharistic prayers A, B, and C each refer to this text as a hymn and Eucharistic prayer D indicates a preference for singing it. The rubrics direct the entire assembly to proclaim the Sanctus. It seems to me that if congregational song is part of any Eucharistic celebration, the Sanctus is sung. Psalms and canticles are among those elements that the rubrics indicate are sung or said. By their very nature, psalms and canticles are songs. The prayer book also indicates places where anthems may be sung and occasionally provides texts for such anthems. Musicians know that a musical score not only indicates when notes are to sound, it also indicates silences. There are many places the prayer book either allows or prescribes silence. One place the rubrics suggest silence may be kept is between an invitation to confession of sin and the assembly's confession. The prayer book also suggests keeping silence after scripture readings. The prayer book specifically prescribes silence in various places. One is on Ash Wednesday when After the presider invites the assembly to a holy Lent, the rubric states, silence is then kept for a time all kneeling. Another prescription appears on Good Friday, where the first rubric directs, on this day the ministers enter in silence. In the Eucharist, after the presider breaks the consecrated bread, the rubrics direct, a period of silence is kept. At the ordinations of bishops, priests, and deacons, a period of silent prayer is prescribed. Silence is also integral to intercessory prayer. It is mentioned in each of the six models provided in the prayers of the people. In Forms 2 and 4, silence is intended after each bidding or petition. A significant period of silent prayer is part of the solemn colics on Good Friday. To summarize, the prayer book liturgies encourage occasions for congregational song as well as occasions for silence.
0: As Milda reminds us in our next talk, psalms and canticles are songs by their very nature. There's a rich body of resources and settings for singing these psalms and canticles in worship found in the hymnal of 1982 and its supplements. Milner will also tell us about the various ways to sing, chant, or recite psalms, as well as how they have been set to familiar hymns.
1: Psalms and canticles are songs by their very nature. The Hymnal 1982 and its several supplements provide a variety of settings of all of the prayer book canticles and some psalms. These range from fairly simple to more challenging. There are various methods of reciting or chanting psalmody. The simplest of these is direct recitation, reading or chanting a psalm in unison. The prayer books suggest that this method is particularly appropriate for the gradual psalm, the psalm following the first lesson at the Eucharist. Another method is antiphonal recitation, verse-by-verse alternation between groups of singers or readers. This might be alternation between choir and congregation, or one side of the congregation and the other. The prayer books suggest this method for the psalms of morning and evening prayer. While there are various ways of singing directly or antiphonally, a method accessible to many is simplified Anglican chant. The accompaniment edition of the hymnal 1982 has a selection of these at numbers S408 through 416. The method for singing this style of chant is very straightforward. In it, singers sing most of a half verse on a reciting note, moving to the last note on its last accented syllable. Using the music found at S415, the first two verses of Psalm 23 sound like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. Responsorial recitation is a method in which a cantor or group of cantors sings the verses of the psalm, and the assembly responds with a refrain after each group of verses. This was an ancient method of chanting the gradual psalm. There are two resources I recommend as examples of responsorial psalms. They are the Hymn Tune Psalter by Carl Daw and Kevin Hackett and the Portland Psalter by Robert Hawthorne. In the Hymn Tune Psalter, Daw and Hackett use portions of hymn tunes for the refrains with the verses set to simplified Anglican chant. The first portion of their setting of Psalm 23 sounds like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in He makes me lie down. Green pastures and leads me beside still waters. I be. In the Portland Psalter, Hawthorne composes new music for both refrains and chants. His settings vary a great deal in musical style. The first portion of his setting of Psalm 34 sounds like this. Metrical psalms or canticles are paraphrases with poetic meter and rhyme. They are similar in structure to hymns most parishes are used to singing. In fact, there are many examples of metrical psalms and canticles in the hymnal 1982. All People That on Earth Do Dwell is a 16th century metrical version of Psalm 100. Tell Out My Soul, the Greatness of the Lord, is a 20th century metrical version of the Magnificat, or Song of Mary. Indices for metrical psalms and canticles are included in the the accompaniment edition of the hymnal. The various hymnal supplements each contain other metrical psalms and or canticles. Christopher Weber has authored a new metrical psalter, a complete set of metrical canticles and psalms appointed for the Sunday lectionary. Weber has crafted these so that they can be sung to hymn tunes familiar to any local congregation. As I said earlier, there are various resources for singing psalms and canticles. I hope some of the suggestions I have made will be helpful to those striving to make a joyful noise unto the Lord.
0: Anthems are another type of music used in liturgical worship. The prayer book and the accompaniments to the hymnal of 1982 provide anthems for use during various liturgies. Milner offers an overview of these anthems and their purposes.
1: The word anthem can mean different things to different people. In the Book of Common Prayer, the term anthem usually refers to music that is sung to accompany a liturgical action. The most common of these is the Offertory Anthem. It is often sung by a choir while a money offering is being collected and the table is being prepared to celebrate the Eucharist. There are two other anthems that may be sung during Eucharistic celebrations. One of these is referred to as a fraction anthem. Following the Eucharistic prayer and the Lord's Prayer, the presider breaks the bread and a brief silence is kept. After this, at many celebrations, the bread needs to be broken further in order to share it. At times, other chalices need to be filled to administer communion. A fraction anthem is often sung during this further breaking and pouring. The two texts most commonly used by Episcopalians are Alleluia, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us, and Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Sometimes the fraction anthem is sung by the entire assembly. At other times, the singing is shared between a cantor or choir and the assembly. Whatever the text or method of singing, the function of the fraction anthem is to accompany the breaking of bread and pouring of wine, in final preparation for sharing them among the assembly. An anthem may also be sung while the assembly receives communion. This anthem may be sung by a choir or shared by the choir in the assembly. Again, the texts and mode of singing may vary, but the function of a communion anthem is to accompany the sharing of the gifts of God by the people of God. The service for the burial of the dead begins with an anthem, which the prayer book describes as sung or said as the body is born into the church. While the prayer book gives two other options for its use, it is clear that the first intent is for it to accompany the entrance of the body into the church. In my experience, the opening anthem is spoken on most occasions. But the accompaniment edition of the hymnal 1982 provides musical settings with verses to be sung by a cantor and a refrain for the assembly. I have used one of these on several occasions and have found it to be very effective. I encourage music ministers and clergy to consider these settings. The prayer book provides two sets of anthems for optional use during the Triduum, the three days of Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and the Great Vigil of Easter. The first set of texts is meant to accompany the foot washing on Maundy Thursday. The second set is to accompany devotions on Good Friday, often referred to as the veneration of the cross. In both of these cases, as with many others in the prayer book, latitude is given to use the text provided or other suitable anthems. The accompaniment edition of the hymnal contains musical settings of the prayer book texts, but in my experience, there are other possibilities which can also serve quite well. It is important to understand that whatever may be sung is done so to accompany the action of the washing of feet on Monday, Thursday or the gazing on or venerating the cross on Good Friday. I hope some of these examples have helped to show that offertory anthems are but one example in the liturgies of the Book of Common Prayer where an anthem is appropriate. And what makes an anthem appropriate is how fitting it is as accompaniment to the liturgical action.
0: As we wind up our podcast, let's consider some of the resources of music and musical settings that support the liturgies of the Book of Common Prayer, from the primary text, the 1982 hymnal, to additions and supplements like Lift Every Voice and Sing.
1: The hymnal of the Episcopal Church is a resource of congregational song to support the liturgies in the Book of Common Prayer. Hymnal revision accompanied the period of trial use that produced our current prayer book. This rich collection of congregational song remains the primary musical resource for celebrating prayer book liturgies. The hymnal 1982 provides settings of 600 hymn texts approved by the General Convention for the Episcopal Church's official hymnal. The hymnal also provides musical settings of practically every prayer book liturgical text that might be sung by a worshiping community. It has settings of the elements of the daily office, morning, noonday, evening prayer, and compline. It provides multiple settings of the canticles of morning prayer and evening prayer in various musical styles. The accompaniment edition also gives music directors settings which can be used in singing the psalmody of the daily office. The hymnal provides a variety of musical settings of portions of the Eucharist. These include the three primary options for the song of praise at the beginning of the Eucharist. The glory in excelsis, glory to God, Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy, and the Trisagion, Holy God, Holy and Mighty. The hymnal also provides a number of settings of the Sanctus, Holy, 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 the song included in every Eucharistic prayer. In addition, the accompaniment edition of the hymnal contains settings of less frequently used liturgical texts. The settings in this appendix can prove very useful on occasion. Periodically, collections intended to supplement the hymnal 1982 have been published. Lift Every Voice and Sing 2 was published in 1993. Known to many of us by its acronym, Levis is a resource of congregational song by and for African Americans. Thankfully, its use has become much broader than that. In addition to many hymns, Levis contains service music for the Eucharist in African-American and African-based styles not well represented in the hymnal 1982. Wonder, Love, and Praise was published in 1997 to supplement the hymnal, which by that time was into its second decade. In addition to hymn texts and tunes composed since publication of the hymnal 1982, Wonder, Love, and Praise contains Eucharistic service music and canticles. Not only are these newer compositions, but they extend the range of musical styles and cultures available for congregational song. Other recently published supplements include Voices Found, published in 2003, and My Heart Sings Out, published in 2005. Voices Found is a source of hymn texts and music by women of different eras, many of whom are not represented in the hymnal 1982. My Heart Sings Out is intended to support intergenerational worship, assemblies which contain children who are young readers and pre-readers. Its songs and service music include numerous examples of global congregational song. It features music accessible to those who learn songs more by hearing them repeated than by reading their texts. Now into its fourth decade, The Book of Common Prayer has its own supplemental liturgical texts, primarily found in the Enriching Our Worship series. The Standing Commission on Liturgy and Music has provided two volumes in a series entitled Enriching Our Music. They contain music enabling some of these supplemental texts to be sung. In my own music ministry, the hymnal 1982 remains a basic resource of music repertoire for the worship according to the book of common prayer. At the same time, I would feel very limited if I were not also able to draw from its supplements.
0: As we wind up today's podcast, uh, thank you for joining us today. Um, And here are a few suggestions for further learning. If you want to go to churchnext.tv, we've linked this course with some other courses related to the Episcopal Prayer Book on a learning track called Introducing the Book of Common Prayer. So you can further your study by taking one of several other courses in this series, including Scripture and the Prayer Book with the Reverend Roger Furlow, The Spirituality of the Book of Common Prayer with the Reverend Carl Rutten, English Origins of the Book of Common Prayer with the Reverend John Daly, and an American prayer book, a global prayer book, with the Reverend Tom Ferguson. And that's the end of our podcast for today. Thanks for tuning in, and if you'd like to learn more about us, again, go to churchnext.tv. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with us all today and always. Amen.